are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Seahorses compose the fish genus Hippocampus. Within the family Signathidae in the order Signathiformis Signathidae also includes the pipefishes Hippocampus comes from the ancient Greek Hippos meaning horse, and campos, meaning sea monster. There are nearly 50 species of seahorse. They are mainly found in shallow, tropical, and temperate waters throughout the world. They prefer to live in sheltered areas, such as seagrass beds, coral reefs, or mangroves. Colonies have been found in European waters such as the Thames Estuary. From North America, down to South America, there are approximately four species, ranging from the very small dwarf seahorses, which are only about 2.5 centimeters or 0.98 inches, to much larger specimens off the Pacific coast of Central America. In fact, there is one genus of 
seahorse that is one foot long, that is Hippocanus ingens. Hippocanus erectus are larger seahorses that range from Nova Scotia to around Uruguay. Three species live in the Mediterranean Sea. Hippocampus hippocampus, which means long snout. Hippocampus riveratus, short snout. And Hippocampus fuscus, which immigrated from the Red Sea. These fish form territories, with males staying in about one square meter or 11 square feet of their habitat, while the females range about 100 times that area. They bob around in seagrass meadows, mangrove stands, and coral reefs, where they adapt murky brown and gray patterns to camouflage themselves among the seagrass. During social moments, or in unusual surroundings, seahorses have the unique ability to turn bright colors. Seahorses are named for their equine profile. They look very much like a horse. Although they are a bony fish, they do not have scales, but rather a thin skin stretched over a series of bony plates arranged in rings throughout their body. Each species has a distinct number of rings. Seahorses swim upright. Another characteristic that is not shared by their close pipefish relatives, which swim horizontally. Seahorses swim upright. They also have a coronet on their head, which is distinct to each individual, much like a human fingerprint. They swim very poorly by using a dorsal fin, which they rapidly flutter, and pectoral fins located behind their eyes which they use to steer. Seahorses have no caudal fin. Since they are poor swimmers, 
they are most likely to be found resting with their prehensile tails wound around a stationary object such as a blade of grass or a piece of coral. They have long snouts which they use to suck up food and each eye can move independently from the other much like a chameleon. Seahorses live on a diet of small shrimp, tiny fish, crustaceans, and plankton. Anatomical evidence supported by molecular, physical, and genetic evidence demonstrates that the seahorses are highly modified pipefish. The fossil record of seahorses, however, is very sparse. The best known and best studied fossils are specimens of Hippocampus gutilatus. These specimens, or fossils, are from the Marichi River Formation of the Rimini Provenance in Italy. dating back to the lower Pliocene about three million years ago. The earliest known seahorse fossils are of two pipefish-like species, Hippocampus sarmaticus and Hippocampus Slovenicus from the Cropolitic horizon of the Tungens Hill, a middle Miocene lager state in Slovenia, dating back about 13 million years. Molecular dating finds that pipefish and seahorses separated during the late Oligocene. This has led to speculation that seahorses evolved in response to large areas of shallow water. Newly created as the result of tectonic events. The shallow water allowed the expansion of seagrass habitats that, the, that selected for the camouflage offered by the seahorses' upright posture. 
These tectonic changes occurred in the Western Pacific Ocean, suggesting an origin there with molecular data suggesting two later and separate invasions of the Atlantic Ocean by the seahorse. The male seahorse is equipped with a brood pouch on the ventral or front-facing side. While mating, the female seahorse deposits up to 1,500 eggs in the male's pouch. The male carries the eggs for anywhere from 9 to 45 days until they emerge, expelling fully developed miniature seahorses in the water. Once the seahorse babies are released into the water, the male's role is done and he offers no further care. Before breeding, seahorses court for several days. Scientists believe the courtship behavior synchronizes the animal's movements so that the male can receive the eggs when the female is ready to deposit them. During this time, both the male and the female may change color, swim side by side, hold tails, or grip the same strand of seagrass with their tails and wheel around in unison in what is known as a pre-dawn dance. They eventually engage in a true courtship dance lasting about eight hours, during which the male pumps water through the egg pouch on his trunk, which expands and opens to display its emptiness. When the female's eggs reach maturity, she and her mate let go of any anchors and snout to snout drift upwards out of the seagrass, often spiraling as they rise. As the female 
inserts her ovipostor into the male's brood pouch and deposits dozens to thousands of eggs as the female releases her eggs her body slims while his swells both animals then sink back into the seagrass and she swims away The male releases his sperm directly into seawater where it fertilizes the eggs which are then embedded in a pouch wall and become surrounded by a spongy tissue. The male supplies the eggs with prolactin, the same hormone responsible for milk production in pregnant mammals. The pouch provides oxygen as well as a controlled environment incubator. The eggs then hatch in the pouch where the salinity of the water is regulated. This prepares the newborns for life in the sea. Throughout gestation, which in most species of seahorse requires two to four weeks, the female visits the male daily for a morning greeting. The two of them interact for about six minutes very reminiscent of the courtship. The female then swims away until the next morning and the male returns to vacuuming up food through his snout. Recent research indicates that the male releases sperm into the surrounding sea water during fertilization and not directly into his pouch as previously thought. The number of young released by a male averages 100 to 200 for most species of seahorse, but may be as low as five for the smaller species, or as high as 1,500 for the larger species of seahorse. When the fry are ready to be born, 
the male expels them with muscular contractions. He typically gives birth at night and is ready for the next batch of eggs by morning when his mate returns. Like almost all other fish species, seahorses do not nurture their young after birth. Infants are susceptible to predators or ocean currents which wash them away from feeding grounds or into temperatures too extreme for their delicate bodies. Less than one half of one percent of seahorse infants survive into adult seahorses. This helps explain why seahorse litters are so large. This survival rate is actually fairly high compared to other fish. Because of their protected gestation, making the process worth the great cost to the father. The eggs of most other fish are abandoned immediately after fertilization. Not so with the seahorse. With this extra effort, extra energy is required of the seahorse. Reproduction is energetically costly to the male. This brings into question why the sexual role reversal even takes place in the first place. In an environment where one partner incurs more energy costs than the other, research suggests that the lesser contributor takes the role of the aggressor. Male seahorses are more aggressive and sometimes fight for female attention. Only males tail wrestle and snap their heads at each other. This discovery prompted further study to energy costs. To estimate the female's direct contribution, researchers chemically analyzed the energy stored in each egg. To measure the burden on male, researchers measured the oxygen consumption of the males. By the end of incubation, 
the male consumed almost 33% more oxygen than before mating. The study concluded that the female's energy expenditure while generating eggs is twice that of the males during incubation. This confirmed the standard hypothesis. Why the male seahorse and other members of Cygnathiidae carries the offspring through gestation is unknown. Though some researchers believe it allows for shorter birthing intervals, in turn resulting in more offspring. Given an unlimited number of ready and willing partners, males have the potential to produce 17% more offspring than females in breeding season. Also, females have timeouts from the reproductive cycle that are 1.2 times longer than those of males. This seems to be based on mate choice rather than physiology. When the female's eggs are ready, she must lay them in a few hours or eject them into the water column. Making eggs is a huge cost to her physically since they amount to about a third of her body weight. To protect against losing a clutch, a female demands a long courtship. The daily greeting helps to cement the bond between the male and the female seahorse. One common misconception about seahorses is that they mate for life. Many species of seahorses form pair bonds that last through at least the breeding season. Some species show a higher level of mate fidelity than others. However, many species readily switch mates when the opportunity arises. Hippocampus abdominalis and Hippocampus breviceps have been shown to breed in groups showing no continuous mate preference. Many more species mating habits have not been studied.
so it is unknown how many species are actually monogamous or how long those bonds actually last. Although monogamy within fish is not common, it does appear to exist for some. In this case, the mate-guarding hypothesis may be an explanation. The hypothesis states, males remain with a single female because of ecological factors that make male parental care and protection of offspring especially advantageous. Because the rates of survival for newborn seahorses are so low, incubation is essential. Though not proven, males could have taken on this role because of the lengthy period the female requires to produce their eggs. If males incubate while females prepare the next clutch, amounting to one-third her body weight, they can reduce the interval between clutches. Seahorses feed on small crustaceans floating in the water or crawling on the bottom. With excellent camouflage and a lot of patience, seahorses ambush prey that float within striking range. Mycid shrimp and other small crustaceans are favorites, but some seahorses have been observed eating other kinds of invertebrates and even larval fish. While many aquarium hobbyists keep seahorses as pets, seahorses from the wild tend to fare poorly in home aquariums. Many wild seahorses eat only live foods such as brine shrimp and are prone to stress which damages their immune systems and makes them susceptible to disease. In recent years, however, captive breeding has become more popular. Such seahorses survive better in captivity and are less likely to carry diseases. They eat frozen crustaceans that are readily available from aquarium stores and do not experience the stress of moving out of the wild.
although captive-bred seahorses are more expensive, they take no toll on wild populations. Seahorses should be kept in aquariums to themselves or with compatible tank mates. Seahorses are slow feeders and fast aggressive feeders will leave them without food. In an aquarium Seahorses can coexist with many species of shrimp and other bottom-feeding creatures. Gobies also make good tank mates. Keepers are generally advised to avoid eels, triggerfish, squid, octopus, and sea anemones. Seahorses sold as freshwater seahorses are usually the closely related pipefish of which a few species live in the lower reaches of rivers. The supposed true freshwater seahorse called Hippocampus ami was not a real species but a name sometimes used for the barbers and hedgehog seahorses. The latter is a species that can be found in brackish waters, but is not actually a freshwater fish. Seahorse populations are thought to have been endangered in recent years by overfishing and habitat destruction. The seahorse is used in traditional Chinese herbology and as many as 20 million seahorses may be caught each year and sold for this purpose. Medicinal seahorses are not readily bred in captivity as they are susceptible to disease and is believed that they have different medicinal properties from aquarium seahorses. Seahorses are also used in medicines by the Indonesians, Central Filipinos and many other ethnic groups around the world. The good news is this Import and export of wild seahorses has been controlled under the CITES agreement since May 15, 2004. However, Indonesia, Japan, Norway, and South Korea have chosen to opt out of the trade rules set by CITES. The problem of taking seahorses from the wild 
may be exasperated by the growth of pills and capsules as the preferred method of ingesting medication as they are cheaper and more available than traditional individually tailored prescriptions of raw medicinals but the contents are harder to track. Seahorses once had to be of a certain size and quality before they were accepted by traditional Chinese medicine, practitioners, and consumers. But declining availability worldwide of the preferred large, pale, and smooth seahorses has been offset by the shift towards prepackaged medicines which make it possible for traditional Chinese medicine merchants to sell previously unused juvenile, spiny, and dark-colored animals. Today, almost a third of all seahorses sold in China are prepackaged. This adds an incredible amount of pressure to the seahorse species. Seahorses are lovely creatures. They capture our imagination. Some of their funniest traits have been captured by their names given by humans. The big belly seahorse, Hippocampus abdominalis, is found in New Zealand and the south and east coasts of Australia. The pygmy seahorse, Hippocampus bargibanti, is found in the West Pacific area, such as Indonesia, Philippines, Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands. The short-snouted seahorse, Hippocampus hippocampus, is found in the Mediterranean Sea and Atlantic Ocean. The thorny seahorse, named so because it looks like it has thorns, Hippocampus hystrix, is found in the Indian Ocean, Persian Gulf, Red Sea, and Far East. The Pacific seahorse, Hippocampus ingens, so named because it's found exclusively on the Pacific coasts of North, Central, and South America. The long snout seahorse, Hippocampus red-eye, is found in Caribbean coral reefs. And finally, a favorite, the dwarf seahorse, Hippocampus zoasterae, is found in the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean. Pygmy seahorses 
are less than 15 millimeters or 0.59 inches tall and 17 millimeters or 0.67 inches wide. Previously, the term pygmy seahorse was applied exclusively to the species Hippocampus bargibanti. But since 1997, discoveries has made this term obsolete. Other species that are believed to be unclassified have also been reported in books, dive magazines, and on the internet. They can be distinguished from other species of seahorse by their 12 trunk rings, low number of tail rings, which is 26 to 29, the location of which young are brooded in the trunk region of males, and their extremely small size. Molecular analysis of ribosomal RNA of 32 hippocampus species found that hippocampus bargibanti belongs in a separate clade from the other members of the genus and therefore that the species diverged from the other species in the ancient past. Most pygmy seahorses are well camouflaged and live in close association with other organisms, including colonial hydrozoans, coralline algae, and sea fans. This, combined with their small size, accounts for why most species have only been noticed in recent years. Most seahorse species are data deficient. This means there is not enough information to make a proper assessment about their risk of extinction. Because seahorse population is unknown, there is a greater risk of losing more seahorses because of the lack of information about how many are dying each year, how many are being born, how many are being used for souvenirs, how many are being sold into private aquariums. Seahorse habitats are also in great danger. Coral reefs and seabeds of seagrass are deteriorating, meaning seahorses have fewer places to live.
also as stated above, seahorses are used in Chinese medicine and as souvenirs, which definitely cuts their population down significantly each year. A close relative to the seahorse is the pipefish or pipefishes. Signathe are a subfamily of small fishes which together with the seahorses form the family Signathidae. Pipefish look like straight-bodied seahorse with tiny mouths. The name is derived from a peculiar form of their snout, which is like a long tube ending in a narrow and small mouth, which opens upwards and is toothless. The body and tail are long, thin, and snake-like. They have a highly modified skeleton formed into armor plating. This dermal skeleton has several longitudinal range ridges so that a vertical section through the body looks angular, not round or oval, as in a majority of other fishes. The pipefish look like straight body seahorses with tiny mouths. They have a highly modified skeleton formed into armored plating. This dermal skeleton has several longitudinal ridges. The dorsal fin is always present and is the principal organ of locomotion. The ventral fins are constantly absent and the other fins may or may not be developed. The gill openings are extremely small and placed near the upper posterior angle of the gill covers. Many pipefish are weak, weak swimmers in open water, moving slowly by means of rapid movements of the dorsal fin. Some of the pipefish species have tails that are prehensile, as in a seahorse. The majority of pipefish have some form of caudal fin, unlike the seahorse, which can be used for locomotion. 
There are species of pipefish with more developed caudal fins, such as the group collectively known as flagtail pipefish, which are quite strong swimmers. Pipefish, like their seahorse relatives, leave most of the parenting duties to the male. Courtship tends to be elaborately choreographed between the males and females. While some are monogamous, unseasonal or seasonally monogamous, others are not. Male pipefish have a specially developed area to carry eggs, which are deposited by the female. In some species, this is just a patch of spongy skin that the eggs adhere to until hatching. Other species have partial or even fully developed pouch to carry the eggs. The location of the brood patch or pouch can be along the entire underside of the pipefish or just at the base of the tail as with seahorses. Many species exhibit polyandry, a breeding system in which one female mates with two or more males. This tends to occur with greater frequency in internal brooding species of pipefishes than with external brooding species. The young are born free swimming with relatively no yolk sac and begin feeding immediately. Some fry have short larval stages and live as plankton for a short while. Others are fully developed but mature, immature little miniature versions of their parents, assuming the same behavior of their parents immediately. journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet.